This is Toledo Symphony Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of classical music from WGTE Public Media and your Toledo Symphony. I'm Brad Cresswell. Joining me in the studio today are the Toledo Symphony's president and CEO, Zach Vassar, also the TSO's director of marketing, Vanessa Gardner. And on the phone, we have a very special guest, the Toledo Symphony's music director, Elaine Trudell. Welcome, everybody. <laughs> hey, I got to put that soundboard to good use, right? Yeah, I, 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 I think that's uh, perhaps the most notable fanfare that I that we could receive. <laughs> well, I, I mean, have, it's not sarcastic at all. I have other fanfares here. I bet you do. Oh, how I've missed you. (laughs) Well, the subject that we are taking on today is a big one, and that is the 80th anniversary season of the Toledo Symphony. You've announced what's happening next year, and we're going to talk about it as well and give a little backstory on all of that. But before we get to all of that, Let's hear a story, right? We want to. We want. We usually start off with a story with a guest, what have you. Well, the guest today is the entire 80th season of the Toledo Symphony. So we're looking for Toledo Symphony story. Mm-hmm. And Zach, I asked you to uh, prepare something for us. Yes, I, I. I'm happy to tell this story. It's a great story. Okay. Well, let me set the theme here. All right. That's sweet. Okay, you're on. Well, the Toledo Symphony was not born as the Toledo Symphony. It's gone through a couple name changes, but what we know today is the Toledo Symphony began in 1943, 80 years ago, and it was called the Friends of Music. And uh, it migrated from the Friends of Music into the 1950s as the Toledo Orchestra, and then uh, after that was rebranded the Toledo Symphony. And I think it's really lovely that the organization had um, this this original name of the Friends of Music because mm-hmm. um, there were several attempts to make a Toledo Symphony. There was one in the 1890s uh, that was, was very successful, uh, ran out of money. Uh, there were several uh, attempts in the first part of the 20th century uh, there was a very good orchestra across the 1920s, uh, which didn't make it through the, the Depression. Um, but we have a lot of archival material from from those previous orchestras. There were a couple that only played one concert. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, but we have programs from the Paramount Theater when the orchestra would play. Um, but what, what, what made this 80-year-old organization different at the very beginning was that it started small. It started as a a small group of uh, basically a chamber orchestra, and um, and they they came together to make music. They were the friends of music, and um, and we've grown bit by bit into a world-class organization over 80 years. And I couldn't be more proud of this band. Yeah. When did you guys start performing in the Paris style? Because that has a wonderful musical history as well. Do you know uh, I, offhand? I I don't. I have I have that back at the office. Um, but <laughs> okay. it, it, it wasn't initially. Uh, the, run the run Paris... back to the office and we'll, we'll wait. <laughs> Let me Google that for you. Um, the Paris style uh, originally was, was home to visiting orchestras. So Cleveland Orchestra would play there. Philadelphia Orchestra opened it up. Um, the Toledo Symphony, I don't think, went there until the late 40s or early 50s. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and and it was a it was a special performance. I, I want to say that Nadia Boulanger conducted the orchestra on that first performance at um, at the Peristyle. Yeah. But I could I, be wrong. I'm sure Bob Bell is listening right now and saying <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, that's a good, you know, little bit of history about mm-hmm. the symphony. I mean, obviously, you've done a lot since then. Mm-hmm. What are some of the great memories for you, both first as a spectator and then later as the, the president and CEO of the organization? Well, my spectating goes back to when I was a little kid. So um, I always like to tease my parents. They would go to the symphony to get away from their nine children. Yeah. And um, then little Zach comes around and, and takes an interest in classical music. And um, I I wanted to start going with them. So um, I have very early memories of going to the Paris style. I remember seeing Bob from Sesame Street at the Paris style. Yeah. 
Um, Bob and, McGrath, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And um, it, you know, for me, that was a home in, in, in a special room. And even when I, um, when I went to to college, I had on my my bulletin board a picture of the peristyle, and I just had so many wonderful memories there. Wow, you were a real classical music nerd, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> With pride, <laughs> um, and and you know, the, as a spectator, I I I remember fine performances I, it, for some reason an early performance with john browning uh playing mozart sticks with me mm. and um i remember my very first toledo symphony uh concert they played the Prokofiev of uh Romeo and juliet suites and it finishes with that piccolo uh maybe flute at the very top that just kind of disappears into sound and i just remember watching trying to figure out when the sound ended because it sounded like it was just continuing in my memory, and it and it yeah. and it did, and I I just remember being enchanted. So that's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Elaine, you've been patiently waiting on the phone. Are you still there? Oh yes. Okay. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the Masterworks concerts that are coming up, and I do want to play a little game, and this is for everybody where I'll say a name of a, a guest artist that is coming for the 80th anniversary season. And you tell me, it's like word association, right? You tell me what word pops into your head when you think of this person. Then we're going to talk about their concert, okay? But let's start with uh, the violinist, Blake Pouliot. He's a wonderful violinist who has been back before. Uh, wh what's the first word that comes to mind for you, Elaine, when you think of Blake? Ah, interesting. Future. Future. Mm. It defines what a violinist in the future is. Like, well, the, and as in the future is now. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's this new generation of, uh, of violinists as uh, people who heard uh, this season, uh, Kirsten Leon, and you hear people like Augustin uh, Adelish, and uh, Blake is definitely part of that new generation of violinists that are absolutely phenomenal. So uh, I don't know. It makes me think of that. It's the whole new generation of uh, violinists. He's going to play with us uh, Shostakovich's first violin concerto, and uh, I'm, I'm quite happy that this this season we uh, it was important for me this season to uh, plant a few seeds, a few ideas, and uh, and to um, to get some excitement going and uh, and as a preview to the 80th with uh, composers like Shostakovich, like uh, Stravinsky, uh, because uh, we, uh, we haven't presented them a lot at the at the symphony. And I thought our Shostakovich Fifth Symphony, uh, the public was very excited about it, so very happy because we're going to get to play more Shostakovich next year with uh, this this immediate connection that Shostakovich has with the listener. Uh, basically, we're, we're just uh, transmitting the emotion he has through his music, like I've said many times on your show, that, that you know, Beethoven, Shostakovich, Mahler, they're like the immediate uh, composers the, with an immediate, uh, how do you say, emotion tra um, transmitted by us <laughs> to to the public. So, yeah, so Blake will be there, will be coming back. First time Blake came and played with us was before the pandemic, and mm -hmm. he played the Mozart, I think, uh, fourth or fifth of Alan Concerto uh, at the Valentine. And uh, it was just on the cusp of this international career. And now he's playing with all the big orchestras around the world and the, the connection. I could have also said relationship when uh, when we talked about Blake, because uh, it's relationship that we create with the Toledo Symphony, with, uh, with instrumentalists, soloists, singers that, that are just, you know, right on the, the edge of a big international mm -hmm. career. And when they do, they when it does take off, like Idolish and now... Uh, Blake Pouliot, when and, and it's been like that for years and years and years. I mean, for it's one of the big traditions of the orchestra to invite artists that were almost super well known and then become superstars. But we already have a relationship with them, so they they love coming back to Toledo. So he's coming back to Toledo with this huge uh, concerto, which will be followed by Prokofiev's Fifth Symphony, which is. His big hit, his great symphony. Uh, we know Prokofiev, of course, from his ballet music, from Romeo and Juliet. Uh, we know him from Peter and the Wolf. But as far as the symphony, the fifth is, 
is a symphony that uh, is absolutely wonderful for the orchestra. It's one of our most requested pieces by members of the orchestra. And it's one, one piece that I'm very, very happy to reintroduce to our public. Well done. I'll, I'll even point out that the first time I ever heard you conduct was a Prokofiev symphony, a different one. Wow. True, number one, mm-hmm. yeah. Where was that? Oh, was that the peristyle? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, Elaine is at the peristyle sometimes. All right. <laughs> With the Toledo Symphony. <laughs> Sorry, I blanked out for a moment. No, <laughs> just kidding. Let me throw another name out there for you, Elaine, while we're talking about Russian repertoire. Okay. What about the pianist Olga Kern, who made a huge splash with uh, the Rock 3 in previous seasons? And you have her here for another piano concerto. Tell us about, uh, well, first of all, what what word comes to mind when you think of Olga Kern? I'm going to get in trouble because (sighs) I have many pianists, solo friends of mine. And uh, I'm going to say a word, but, you know, if any of them hear it... uh, uh, anyway, hopefully they're still my friends. So I, my word's going to be favorite. Oh, favorite. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, I have I have many, many pianists I absolutely adore, but Olga, uh, Olga Rachmaninoff, I mean, for me, it's good call. The favorite, perfection. Yeah. Uh, you know, the could call her the goat of Rachmaninoff. Sorry, sports analogy again. But uh, she is, she for me, it embodies the spirit of Rachmaninoff when she plays uh, his concertis. It's incredible. And uh, and also, I mean, uh, her brother's a trombone player, so she knows all the trombone repertoire. That's a lot of fun for me. <laughs> but, uh, she's not scared of anything. She's so, she has this, incredible musicality but she's so strong at the same time that's everything you need in Rachmaninoff so last time she was here she as you said created an incredible impression I mean she she had been here before but this when she played the third concerto which probably is one of the most difficult piano concerto ever written uh, and she was playing I think the day before as a replacement with uh, I think Philharmonia somewhere Mm -hmm. Uh, she was playing I don't know Grieg or another concerto then she just took the plane, came over, and said, oh, yeah, I'll be there. I'm, I'm coming. And yeah. it was unbelievable. The orchestra we, and I were like, wow. And it's like, you know, everything I had hoped for, because I've been a fan for so long. It was my first time performing with her when she came, uh, uh, well, the, the last time. It was just before the pandemic. And, uh, and to have her again, we need, I said, when we did the third, we need to do the second concerto, which is the one with the big introduction, the one that everybody knows. This is probably out of the, you know, if you say the top 10 uh, piano concertos, it's always number one or two. It's uh, it's a top, top uh, favorite of the public. Mm-hmm. And with her, it's going to be like a dream. The word could have been dream also. Yeah. And it's fantastic. So uh, and enables me also to program something that's not played all that often, but that is incredible. So it's a Polish composer. Uh, and uh, it's uh, Lutoslavski's Concerto for Orchestra which I like, and you've seen in the past, I like to program uh, concert pieces with orchestra, as we did with Jennifer Higdon, that features all the sections of the orchestra because mm-hmm. we have a fantastic orchestra. And uh, we have actually have so many new members in the orchestra because, you know, again, with COVID lasting all that long, we had a lot of people that were very close to retiring and uh, decided to retire. And not, not that I didn't try to coax them into staying. <laughs> Some of them I... I don't know. Some of them, I said, "Oh, let's go out for lunch." And uh, you think you give you can give me t- two, three more years? And they said, "Oh, Ale, <laughs> and you know when you when you do something you love, you kind of always look kind of youngish. And some of our members uh, in the orchestra that were retiring, I thought they were like ten years younger than they actually were. <laughs> and, uh, because no, no, it's because they well they have a good life, of course. We're not naming they, names, by the way. <laughs> no, not naming names. Well. Anyway, but uh, uh, so we have a lot of new members. So we'll give the uh, everybody in our public a good uh, good opportunity to hear all of them. I mean, we just played uh, Petrushka not so long ago, and there were lots of solos there, so people can meet a lot of our new players. But still, it's very nice to have 
a number in the orchestra, which is it's a program based around concerto as well. A concerto for orchestra and a concerto for soloists and orchestra. And not the very least, like many enough second concerto, which is, the, like as I told you, like most popular concerto. Yeah. Well, there are so many wonderful concerts happening, not just in the Masterworks series, but also some of the returning uh, concerts and series like the special events, the family concerts, the pop concerts. Vanessa, let me bring you into the conversation. You want to talk a little bit about some of your favorites that are coming back and maybe some, some new stuff that's happening with the uh, the uh, Pops and Family series? I know that uh, the the Beethoven X Coldplay, are you saying <laughs> Beethoven times Coldplay? It used to be like Brahms versus, versus yeah. something yeah. or other. They're so rebranding. It's the same group, right? <laughs> Uh, same same composer, uh, yeah. Steve Hackman. Actually, Zach knows a lot more about Steve Hackman than I do, but I am very excited about this <laughs> There's program. no passing the buck in Toledo <laughs> Symphony yeah. Lab. I can talk about Daniel Emmett. Yeah? We'll, we'll okay. Come, we'll come back to Daniel. Why don't An you talk evening a with about Daniel Emmett. Well, you know, um, so Brad, I think we actually had Steve Hackman on the show uh, years ago when we yeah. had him do the uh, Brahms versus Radiohead. And... Um, I was so impressed with the concept of elevating classical music into a popular song format, but then using the classical or the the, uh, the popular songs to just seamlessly weave back and forth between the um, the orchestral repertoire. So what he's doing is really complicated, and uh, he does it so well that you can't even see the seams. And um, I think what it creates is a great experience for anybody in the audience because your ear keeps trick, tricking itself back and forth, um, and, and it, it's constantly surprising. So um, uh, as after his time in Toledo, I've, I've stayed in touch with Steve, and um, you know this was the natural next project for us to work on. So uh, we take Coldplay. Um, and we we mash it up against the Eroica, Eroica Symphony of Beethoven. Oh, yeah, really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting stuff. And your programming is always provocative, even in the pop series. It's provocative and interesting, and something that people won't get anywhere else. You know, unless they come see these concerts. Mm-hmm. You've got this World War II special happening mm-hmm. uh, at the very end of the series, which is a, you know a year from now. But it's still, it's really interesting. You're also doing the music of Fleetwood Mac, which I'm kind of excited for because, you know, I mean, come on. So we have a member of our staff who is a huge Fleetwood Mac fan, a huge fan of Stevie Nicks. And I think the only thing she loves more than Fleetwood Mac is the Grateful Dead. So (laughs) That'll um, be the 81st season. (laughs) We'll we'll see. We'll see. Um, But yeah, so uh, Landslide, the music of Fleetwood Mac, all of their greatest hits is going to be a great, great concert. Um, and the other thing I'm really excited about is bringing back Daniel Emmett. He was here um, as a special guest with David Foster and Catherine McPhee back oh, in October. Yeah. And he sang, um, I don't if you were there, you heard it, Ness and Dorma. And mm. he just knocked the ceiling off of the parasol. We're still repairing. We put it back. We put it back. We're still <laughs> repairing the plaster. He he did an incredible job. And and I said immediately that night, I texted Merwin while yeah. he was on stage, uh, we need to have it back for his own show. Wow. So um, he's doing uh, his own concert, uh, his summer ris- original music, you know, seven different languages, opera, pop, um, classical, you name it. He's going to sing it. It's going to yeah. be great. And you've stored up on plaster, I'm sure. So yeah. you're, you're well prepared this time around for Daniel <laughs> exactly. Emmett. There are some uh, favorites that are returning, like the Halloween Spooktacular and the Family Series. And, of course, there's Handel's Messiah and the Nutcracker and all mm-hmm. that. But going back to the Family Series, you're doing uh, Sleeping Beauty with the Toledo Ballet. Yes. Well, we had such a fantastic success with Cinderella. Um, nearly sold out three performances, including a school show, and it was just spectacular. It's a, such a great way to showcase the entire organization um, for the dancers to get to perform with live music from the Toledo Symphony and and to really jump into, no pun intended, uh, the classical repertoire of yeah. ballet. So yeah. Sleeping Beauty is the next logical progression. I'm very excited that we're doing Sleeping Beauty. Um, 
Yeah. You know, it won't be three hours long. <laughs> Probably not. It, the The original ballet is pretty pretty lengthy. But yeah, yeah it's going to be great. Well, absolutely. And I think uh, Eric's uh, interests lie towards those classical ballets like that. I'm sure he'll have plenty to uh, bring to the stage. Yes. And speaking of Eric and ballet, on that Halloween Spooktacular program, he is choreographing uh, Dance Macabre, which uh-huh. is a sort of teaser intro to a potential future uh, spooky ballet that I'll, I'll let him I'll let him tell you more about, <laughs> you heard but it here first. just stay tuned for... Absolutely. Well, let's talk about uh, another name, and I want to point this towards you, Elaine, because they're kind of doing double duty, and, and it's a really well-known uh, instrumentalist, talking about Branford Marsalis, and he's going to be on one of the Masterworks concerts, but also on the jazz concert. So tell us a little bit about Branford Marsalis, what comes to mind when you think of him, and the concert that he's going to do with the symphony, and then we'll talk about the jazz orchestra as well. Okay, yeah. Uh, Brentford, I, uh, let me see. I have, uh, uh, sorry, I have three. So you, you pick the one you, you like. So <laughs> genius, talent, and tradition. Ah, uh, genius, talent, and tradition. I Anybody? pick genius. Yeah. What do you pick? Yeah. Are they all, they're all nodding their heads. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll like, go with the know, crowd. <laughs> it's very rare that that you uh, you encounter pure talent and pure talent of genius, and it's uh, an an uncom oh no compromise yeah uncompromising that that's a big thing for him also. I mean, it, sometimes we talk about artists that are quote unquote crossover artists, and I have an allergy to that because uh, mm. that they're not like good crossover artists. They're artists that devote themselves into a field. Or the other field, or a field and the other field, meaning that you know you spend your entire life uh, uh, owning your skills on every field that you you absolutely love in music, which is a little bit my case because I you know I was brought up in the jazz idioma and I discovered you know that I love classical music as well, and so it takes a lot of time because you actually have to become uh, you know legitimate in both, you know. And not, not just a little bit of one, a little bit of the other. So Brantford is somebody who's, and people know him, probably people know him for two reasons, because he was, of course, um, the soloist in uh, those uh, albums by Sting, you know, the really great album like Nothing, uh, Nothing Like the Sun or Voyage of the Blue Turtle. And also, of course, by his association with his brother, uh, with Marcellus. But uh, in his own right, the music he makes, I mean, with his quartet, and the music, he, he also pursued playing concertis with orchestra. Uh, and he doesn't pick easy stuff. It's, it's not like, you know, I'm just going to do uh, you know, the one saxophone show that everybody yeah. knows. Well, that most classical musician know by Glazunov and say, oh, I'll do that. No, so we, we talked about doing a work that represents something very interesting for me uh, and very con- modern, but not modern in the sense that uh, it's difficult to listen to, but modern in the sense that it's, um, it's something from our time. So I, I, and, uh, and a link to tradition, which I see him in the link of great link of tradition of the New Orleans uh, jazz style as well. Uh, so the piece is going to play with the orchestra is by Gabriel Prokofiev. And yes, Prokofiev, as in the grandson of, of the other Prokofiev we're playing, the, the, the Prokofiev of Peter and the Wolf. And, uh, yeah, I've heard of him. Of course, the <laughs> yeah, yeah, you might have heard of him, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so his grandson is also a fantastic composer, and he wrote this piece, uh, a saxophone concerto. He actually wrote other pieces that are really amazing and really unique, a concerto for turntable and orchestra, and he wrote a concerto for bass drum and orchestra. Wow. That, and it's really for one bass drum and orchestra, that are really crazy music, very good. But his saxophone concerto is a great piece. It has all these colors, and, and you know, you, you'd imagine like... Uh, somebody who just plays classical saxophone or whatever that means, uh, play, 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 play this concert. But no, Bradford, uh, he brings is the, all the languages that he knows, because he basically knows all these languages, jazz, classical, something more modern. So he will be our soloist in this concert. What I wanted to picture in this concert is to have different, uh, actually picture, I didn't want to intend a pun, but it is. Nicely done. Because <laughs> uh, we're, 
he's going to play in their opening concert of the season and both opening concerts of the, the symphony masterworks and of the jazz, uh, the, the TJO, to lead the jazz orchestra season. So Branford will be the featured soloist on our opening concert of the season. And it's very important for us uh, to, uh, to start our season by the statement that we are the orchestra of everybody in our region, everybody in Toledo, not just an orchestra that is in Toledo, but the orchestra of all Toledoans and, and you know, for, for everybody in our region. So we're going to pay homage to uh, the great, uh, the glass City River Wall. Uh, that is the the great mural that you see, the, the biggest one on silos acting in the world that you see when you, you come in Toledo. And Barbara Asingak, a First Nation composer, is going to write, this be especially for the event, especially for us and for the people of Toledo. Then we're going to play a concerto that also has this different ideas, different pictures in it uh, by Gabriel Prokofiev with Brentford Marcellus. And we're going to end the concert with pictures at an exhibition by Mussorgsky, arranged by Ravel. Picture at an exhibition is another one of those top 10, top 15 uh, orchestra repertoire that people know and love. And it's going to be a fun concert with a lot of short movements and a lot of things to to discover but a lot of different pictures and images and it's a great way to start the season and to position uh we were positioned that 80th anniversary which is you know we are an orchestra and we are we've been here for eight years but the only reason why we've been here is because of the public because of the people of the toledo because of our patrons because of so we want to pay tribute to everybody in the community um but Brentford is here also for the opening of the, the jazz orchestra season. So we're going to do, uh, he's going to come with us and play uh, well, quite a few numbers on that first concert. Now, the jazz orchestra season is going to be our second year together. So uh, we're, we're, we've been dating for the first year. Now we're dating a bit more seriously. <laughs> we've had a really nice first season together. There's a few things we've established um Tributes to our to players in the uh, in the region. Again, uh, underlining that uh, we have legends that are around us. We did one on Art Tatum this year, and we're gonna do a concert uh, as a tribute to Gene Parker this coming year. We're gonna keep going also with a with a great American songbook with uh, Ramona Collins, and uh, and a great tribute to Buddy Rich with our fantastic new drummer Pete Sears. So you can, and the Christmas concert will be there as well. So there's still the series of five concerts, and all those concerts will start with the concert featuring Brentford Marcellus, which is, you know, you can only imagine how exciting everybody is in the band to uh, to have Brentford joining us for that concert. Yay! Yeah, that's Hopefully fabulous. Hopefully he sounds a little bit better than that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he will. Then the yay or then the uh, the, the, the party <laughs> the, horn? The, the yeah. party horn. <laughs> the party horn. I'm going to take a little break here and do our 1980s quiz. This is related, obviously, to the 80s, but I've got... <laughs> it didn't work that way, just so you know. Yeah, well... <laughs> it's 40 okay. years ago. <laughs> you're, you're, but your 80th birthday, right? The 80th anniversary Wouldn't it be season. more appropriate to talk about the 1940s? Well, I'm I mean, not I'm changing, not a quiz master. I'm, I'm not changing the quiz. <laughs> Just for the sake of math. <laughs> I was right? told there'd be no math. <laughs> yes. That is my mantra, really. You know what I just realized? What's that? Um, Prokofiev Symphony Number no. 5 was composed around the time that Toledo Symphony was founded. Hmm. That's yeah. a good point. What does that have to do with my quiz? Well, it has to do with the 80th. <laughs> yeah. It's and actually it should, an 80th. It should be a piece yeah. of trivia on your yeah. quiz. Okay. Come on. All right. Go. Get so what piece of music was being composed <laughs> while the Toledo Symphony was being composed? Like like actually during the composition of the symphony? Well, geez. I, yeah. I, All right, move okay, along. Okay, we're moving along. Okay, this is a 1980s quiz. Okay, and I have one question for each year, right? So 1981. Oh, first let me bring up some music here. Get us in a 1980s mood, right? I think this is by Wham. <laughs> Something similar. <laughs> All right. Alain, do you remember the 80s? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the 80s, too. Okay. 1981. Which video game introduced the character Mario? Was it Donkey Kong? Was it Super Mario Brothers? Or was it Donkey Kong Jr.? We'll come back and answer these at the end. 
A, B, or C. Number two, 1982. Which country invaded the Falkland Islands leading to a war? Was it Argentina, was it Brazil, or was it the United Kingdom? 1982. 1983. Who won the Nobel Peace Prize? Peace Prize. 1983. Uh, Was it Ronald Reagan? Was it Mikhail Gorbachev? Or was it Lech Walesa? A, B, or C. 1984. Who won the Grammy Award for Album of the Year? Was it Michael Jackson, Prince, or Bruce Springsteen? A, B, or C. In 1985, what famous shipwreck was uncovered at the bottom of the ocean? Was it the Titanic? Was it the Edmund Fitzgerald? Or was it the Lusitania? A, B, or C. In 1986, where did a catastrophic nuclear accident occur? Was it in Three Mile Island? Was it Chernobyl? Or was it Love Canal? A, B, or C. This one's a little trickier because I'm asking you which of these events did not happen in 1987. Was it the Iran-Contra affair? The movie Spaceballs? Which is one of the greatest movies of all time, right? Zach is nodding his head. Or was it that scientists found the cause of Legionnaire's disease? You remember Legionnaire's disease? It was like this mysterious illness. A, B, or C. Okay. What was the most popular TV show in the U.S. in 1988? Was it The Cosby Show? Was it Roseanne or The Golden Girls? A, B, or C? 1989. Which of these things did happen in 1989? The Exxon Valdez oil spill, Tiananmen Square massacre, or fall of the Berlin Wall? Which of those did happen in 1989? Okay, so let's go back to 1981. Which video game introduced the character Mario? It was Donkey Kong. Hey, did everybody get that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, did you get I that, Elaine? Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. Which country invaded the Falkland Islands in 1982? It was A, Argentina. Did you get that? Everybody got it? No? Yep. Oh, wow. So, Vanessa, you didn't get it I did not. either? Okay, so Elaine is ahead. Who won the Nobel Peace Prize? I can't even say it now. Who won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1983? It was Lech Walesa, number C. Is that got that? Now, can we say you got? Uh, n- number C? Yeah, letter C. Okay, just, just check. <laughs> I mean, I'm not in broadcasting. I don't. I don't yes. know how this works. We have we have a secret language, right? Okay. In 1984, who won the Grammy Award? Album of the Year it was A. Michael Jackson. Yeah. For, was that can thriller? you name the thil- the I album? Think it was thriller. thriller. Yeah, yeah, it was Thriller. You still with us, Elaine? Yep. Okay. In 1985, yep. what famous shipwreck was discovered? It was the Titanic. Mm-hmm. A. Bob Ballin. Yeah, the Titanic. Ooh. 1986, where did they have a catastrophic nuclear accident? It was B. Chernobyl. That happened in 1986. Love Canal was like an industrial waste pile, and Three Mile Island was not in 1986. When was Three Mile Island? I don't know. In 1987, which of these events did not happen? It was the Legionnaire's disease. That was actually in 1977. So it was C was the answer. Yay. Yeah, all right. The most popular TV show in the U.S. in 1988 was A, The Cosby Show. Yeah. All right. Nice. In 1989, which of these things did happen in 1989? The Exxon Valdez oil spill, the Tiananmen Square massacre, or the fall of the Berlin Wall? The answer was all of the above. What? Trick question. Yeah, trick question. Uh, all of the above. So that means no matter which one we... We selected, we got it right. Yeah, I think we all got it right. Okay, well, whoever gets the bonus question is the winner. You ready? Here's a bonus question. Which computer sold in the 1980s still holds the Guinness World Record for the highest-selling computer of all time? Was it the Commodore 64, the Apple Macintosh, or the Atari 800? A, B, or C? I'll give you some time to think about it. Okay, time's up. (laughs) The answer is... 
All of them. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's gotta be. I'm gonna go with B, but I, I'm not super confident. The answer is A, the Commodore, Commodore. 64, hey! the best-selling computer of all time. Okay, who got that? Yeah. Zach got I it. I got all the answers. <laughs> you got them all right. Okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Merwin still wins. <laughs> did you get Did you get them all really aligned, or are you just saying that because well, you're on I the got phone? All, except the one that you said all of the answers. I I said the fall of the Berlin Wall. So mm-hmm. either all or just one I didn't get. Yeah. Okay. I, the first time I get all the answers. Well, so excited. how'd you do, Zach? <laughs> I got, uh, well, depending on how you do number nine, um, <laughs> I missed two, but I got the uh, bonus. Okay. Well, uh, we'll say it's a tie because I did oh, say Oh, Elaine totally beat me. I did say that the winner of the we bonus. I give it to Merwin. Okay. <laughs> the winner of the quiz is Merwin. Yay! Yay! I hope right. he's just rolling his eyes now that he hears that. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think we've done that before. Speaking of music nerds, did anybody know that the Berlin Wall came down in 1989 because that's when Leonard Bernstein did the Beethoven in Berlin performance? Yeah, yeah that's yeah, exactly. that's that's where my mind went. Where he uh, <laughs> substituted the word, the German word Freiheit. Right, or, for Freude. For, for yeah. Freude. Yeah. Freedom instead freedom. of joy. Yeah. Yeah, the Ode to Freedom. Mm-hmm. As it were. It's a great concert, which you can still find on video yeah. and you can find on audio as when well. When I was in college, after the final exam, every semester, I would go down to the media center and watch it on a laser disc. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Wow, that's uh, more, more classical music nerdery more. from, from <laughs> Zach. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, let's dive back That's into... what we should call the office. Are you going back to the office? No, I'm going to the nerdery. <laughs> where nerds are born mm-hmm. and where they go to retire you know, you, their nerddom. You, you know what we sing at the office? What's that? Nerdery rhymes. <laughs> Speaking of nerdery rhymes, I'm really uh, fascinated, Elaine, by this concert that has your arrangement of a Mozart piece for piano of variations mm-hmm. on Avou de Reju Maman, which is a French nursery yeah. tune. And we know that as like Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, da, 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 da. Yeah. and, you know, other... I'm not familiar with that. Right, okay. And I'm just wondering, so that that's an orchestral arrangement you made of the piano work? Yeah, sorry, I'm still getting over the fact I got all the answers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> for the first time yes. in my life, <laughs> Okay. This, uh, well, no, 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 it's okay. The the uh, the answer to your question is <laughs> I, um, actually this was made uh, for um, the Toronto Symphony, the the other TSO, the, uh-huh. the Toronto Symphony for for a concert we did uh, with the Platypus Theater, and we're looking for uh, a version of Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. And I thought, like, you know, they talked me into going, like, well, do do a little bit of it, then a little bit more. Finally, I did almost the whole thing. So, and I used it as a a little um, feature for different sections of the orchestra. But it's a very virtuosic, right? The the Mozart variations on that. And I thought it would be a really, uh, I well, I thought it'd be fun to insert inside possibilities of things like, uh, you know, it's a mixture between. Uh, very virtuosic orchestra playing, kind of a little bit of witty accompaniment here and there. It doesn't get in another style than Mozart's style. It, it uh, doesn't get like romantic or modern, I think. But uh, there are little variations that could be played. For example, we had back then uh, um, the uh, principal cellist of the orchestra was very good at playing musical saw. So I gave him a solo for mm. musical saw and harp in the middle of it. Which was the the same the same music and the harp played some of the accompaniment and then sometimes I've added with the kids playing the recorders and uh, with the orchestra accompaniment but we can also we can do those skip those it's uh, there's different modules because each of the variations you can do or not do so you can pick the ones you want to do but uh, it was a lot of fun to do and it starts very simply by just an oboe playing the the tune which is very it's very Mozartian to, to do this, you know, just one oboe note. As you hear, like in Amadeus, you know, when Salieri said, just one oboe note. And uh, so that's, uh, <laughs> I, I just thought I'd do a little wink at that. But, you know, this concert is a very important concert for us because we're talking about the 80th anniversary. And that's uh, that's in our concert that celebrates almost to the day 
the 80th uh, anniversary and with a program with the same composers as they had on the first concert ever of the orchestra. Uh So there's going to be some some Ravel on it, which actually will be... They're different pieces. I I thought of doing, again, a little variation on the on the first concert, so keeping the same composers, but different uh, pieces. And at the end of the concert, we have a little special for everybody, which will be something that was played in both the first concert and the 80th anniversary concert. But uh, music of Mozart, music of, uh, I think, Abrams, Ravel, and there's also, they had a living composer, of course, already back then they were encouraging living composers uh, by promoting their music, and they did a piece by Ernest Bloch. So uh, instead of doing a piece by Ernest Bloch, who's now not a living composer, <laughs> I thought we we do an American premiere of uh, one of our really leading American composers, Samuel Adler, just close to us, right? His Seventh Symphony, which is a fantastic piece. It's been played in Europe. It's never been played in the U.S. Yeah. So we're going to do the, the premiere of that piece. We're going to do uh, a, a lot of, you know, other multi that people know very well also. So it's going to be kind of a, a little bit of a party atmosphere with uh, music for a, a little bit of everybody in that concert. So it should be a really fun concert. Yeah, absolutely. That's and for your if party if I have anything atmosphere. to do with it, there'll be cake and champagne. <laughs> Cake and champagne. Yeah. It's interesting yeah. when you were describing like the 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 saw and the harp and all that. I was thinking, you know, mm-hmm. Warner Brothers cartoons like Bugs Bunny or something like that. You know, um, well, I have part. to tell you, I'm already scouting special talents in the orchestra. <laughs> you might be surprised of a thing or two, so we'll see. But that I we have to keep we have to keep some surprises. It's a birthday, right? So. Yeah, <laughs> a few little surprises. Well, we've got um, lots of soloists that are coming in for the season, you know, for the 80th birthday party. But we also have programs that don't necessarily have soloists, but have really interesting programming. And I'm thinking, Elaine, of one of the Masterworks concerts, which pairs like this really cool, um, like, early Baroque version of atonal music uh, by Jean-Ferry Rebel with The Rite of Spring by Igor Stravinsky. There's also John Tavener on there. You want to talk about that concert? Yes, of course. And I'll talk with a little bit of background behind me. You like my background music? Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, it's my son <laughs> playing the guitar. <laughs> Here, I have I have some for you. <laughs> That's what happens when you play Rite of Spring backwards. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and you cue it up to the MGM Lion's Roar and watch it during yeah. the <laughs> dark side of the of Stravinsky. <laughs> right? Dark side of Stravinsky. Okay. Well, I'll stick with you playing the guitar. <laughs> okay, so, um, well, actually, I thought it's interesting to play a program where you play the Rite of Spring, which is a you know, revolutionary piece. And, um, and just, just, you know, as a little uh, sidebar, um, it's revolutionary, but it's not scandalous. What was scandalous was the, the dance and the costumes, honestly, right. more than the music. So don't be scared. Uh, if you're listening to this, come <laughs> and hear the, the Bright of Spring. It's a, it's a good piece. But uh, uh, who would think that the piece that would be the more uh, shocking, the most shocking and revolutionary on that program would be a piece written, written uh, like uh, about 300 years before that? That's what's interesting, and I, I thought that's a, ni- a nice uh, dichotomy to, to have on the program. So I wanted to build a program that was built around the, the, the breakup, you know, of the winter to, to, the, to the spring, uh, revival of the, the earth and uh, nature and the force of nature, like uh, the elements that clash together in nature. And I, th- there's a, a, piece called by, a piece called Les Elements, a work, Les Elements, The Elements, and uh, for people who know French a little bit and, and will see the title, there was not a mistake. There's no T in Element. Uh, <laughs> I was French, just looking that up on my phone. <laughs> I know, but, but in the French language of that period of the time of Rebel, and yes, his name is Rebel, <laughs> and it's interesting because his music sounds like that. And, and his time, which is Baroque time, yeah, they, they didn't have a T to the word element. So, um, but um, this piece, you can hear it, the chaos and the creation of the 
you know, it's a little bit like when in Haydn's creation, the first movement, where you, you're wondering what's happening. It's like there's some kind from chaos to some kind of uh, not unity, but creation of something. Well, you have that beginning of Rebel, and it's really, it's really special. Then it goes into different uh, aspects of the elements. So this is one aspect that's very important. I, I thought, what a great idea to put this rite of spring which talks about, you know, nature, but also initiation, rite of passage, the clash of nature, uh, the clash of the elements, to this piece that also talks about clash of the elements, but that's written a few hundred years before. And in the middle, this very, this very um, still piece that talks about eternity sunrise, which is by uh, taverner, but but not the uh, the 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 Renaissance taverner, the the 20th century composer taverner, John Taverner, same name, exact name, but a few hundred years after. So we have something from the Baroque era, and something that that brings us a bit of repose, but also that brings us a little bit of a contrast and and a way to see this a bit from perspective, give ourselves perspective, and then we jump into the rite of spring. Yeah. I, I can't help but think now that you've made the connection, which I think is pure genius, by the way, I'm going to steal that from my radio show, but uh, the connection that Stravinsky might have had Rebel in his ear a little bit when he was writing that sacrificial dance, because the chords are similar and the rhythm is a little bit similar, sort of, in the uh, Rebel as in the Stravinsky. I wonder if you can talk about is there a connection, do you think, in your mind that goes beyond the programming for those those two works? Well, I don't know to what extent, but, but you know, when you want to illustrate either chaos or or clash of the things that are really, like, uh, stronger than we can even imagine in nature, uh, you often what you wind up doing as a composer is you use you want to use two different elements. You use what we call bitonality. So you have different tonalities that clash together. Like, you know, in the right of spring, when you hear, for example, yum, pum, 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 that those are the famous two chords from right of spring. You have like E7 and E flat 7, like connected together. And those are two chords that really don't go together. But when you put them together, you feel the the clash that can be there. So in Rebel, and that opening, there's a there's a lot of chords that go on top of each other, but that have nothing to do with each other. But the, the tension builds so much because you know, great music is built upon, uh, amongst other things, on tension and release. You know, a good phrase is also built on tension and release. So how much tension can you build? How much tension can you sustain before everything breaks? Mm. Or can you switch to release immediately before everything breaks up? So that's kind of the genius in those two composers that they bring you right to the brink of it and then, oh, there's a resolution. You're like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's really interesting for me. Yeah. Well, we're, we're running a little short on time. Uh, there's a whole lot of stuff to be had for the different concerts, but you mentioned to me once, Elaine, that uh, you really are interested in the planets and the connection to a very special event that's happening next year that maybe is not on a lot of people's radar, but this is a great way of uh, drawing, you know, not only a connection between um, reality and the music, but also to just enjoy the music as well. And I'm talking about the planets of Gustav Holst, which is a concert mm -hmm. that's timed for the uh, the eclipse, right? Absolutely. And again, it goes in our, our idea of celebrating what is unique to our region. Like the one of the best places to watch the uh, the eclipse in the entire United States at uh, that moment will be Toledo, and uh, we thought that during that week or, or the, the 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 days around it, we'd build a program that has to do with uh, with the planets. Uh, so of course, holds the planets again one of the top ten orchestra pieces. But what people don't know often is that uh, the planets from Holes is based mostly on astron uh, astrology and not astronomy. No. So we're, uh, it's really interesting to see. So, but at the same time, if we really want to have uh, a pendant, like another piece that, that, that will relate to it, we commission, uh, I think, seven composers to write 
music about the planets, like shorter, of course, shorter works because uh, to do a first half because the planet is very uh, important and massive piece that that we we takes up a lot of the program. But we we were talking with all of those composers to write this collective of composers that started in Toledo as well um, to write music, but that would be more about the astronomy of the of the planet. So mm-hmm. you have the two visions of it, and you know what what the science tells us of space and what what human thinks of, of, of space. So it's really interesting because it's uh, there's something very mysterious about <laughs> having all of this together and exactly at the time of the eclipse. I think it's unique. It celebrates Toledo also, celebrates our region. Yeah, and just to be clear, you're not asking people to stay inside the concert hall for the eclipse. They can see both, right? <laughs> uh, the- <laughs> This is no, the no. appetizer <laughs> to the eclipse. That's right. Ah, I the amuse bouche to get you get <laughs> yeah. you in the mood, as it were. Well, that's exactly. a great uh, a great thing. And, and I remember uh, years ago when we did the uh, the planets the last time, we mm-hmm. we had an astrologer we did. come on and give charts, including a chart of Gustav Holst. So listeners can go back and and find that on our website or whatever they use to to get their podcast is still up there. Be really interesting. That was fun for research as well. So there are so many phenomenal concerts this season. I just, I, I look at this and, you know, we, we've talked about a lot of these performances already, but we haven't even touched on um, Tchaikovsky Violin Concerto with Rachel Barton Pine. We're doing uh, the Organ Symphony by Saison with Paul Jacobs. Been looking forward to that for a long time. We finish with Mahler 9. Um, Who's that? <laughs> yeah, don't you have a sound effect? I do indeed. <laughs> Sleep um, at the wheel, as they say. There we go. Uh, th- that is not the subtitle of Mahler's Ninth, just so you know. <laughs> uh, but but what an 80th birthday celebration this is going to be. Just every concert is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Vanessa, tell us how, if people are interested, how can they find out more about the season? Yeah, uh, subscription season tickets are on sale. Um, you can call, call the box office at 419-246-8000 or visit ToledoSymphony.com. We have a new Masterworks Flex Pass this year. So if you want to see all 12 unique Masterworks concerts you can pick friday saturday based on you know when we have our double weekends you can get that or uh, we also have the jazz series the hartman bogan jazz series the family series pops masterworks and we have a couple of things that we haven't announced yet that are uh, coming down the pike that we'll be announcing very very soon that's fascinating well people can stay up to date if they visit the website regularly right at Mm toledosymphony.com And uh, you can call the box office again at 419-246-8000. This program is a production of WGTE Public Media in collaboration with our sponsor, the Toledo Symphony, with generous support from the Rita Barber Kern Foundation. You can download episodes as a podcast by going to our website at wgte.org slash lab. You can also subscribe to us through your podcast app of choice, including Apple, Google, and Spotify podcasts. And don't forget to check out all the upcoming events, plus the new season that we've been talking about today. That is, again, at their website, ToledoSymphony.com. You can also check their various social media outlets, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can find the TSO's streaming platform online at stream.artstoledo.com. My thanks to Elaine Trudell, Zach Vassar, and Vanessa Gardner. I'm Brad Cresswell, and this has been Toledo Symphony Lab from FM 91.